Welcome back to our study of the book of Philippians, and we're going to be looking at Philippians chapter 2. But before we get into that text, I want you to think about something, okay? I want you to think, you know, do you have a favorite Bible verse? You know, maybe one verse that just really speaks to you or you just really like for one reason or another. Many of us do. And I also want you to think about this. Do you have a favorite book of the Bible? Now, it's kind of interesting to me that sometimes our favorite book of the Bible might not be anywhere near where our favorite verse is. But now I want you to think about something else. You know, a lot of times people have a favorite book of the Bible or maybe a favorite verse. What about this? Do you have a favorite chapter of the Bible? Now, I must admit that I've got several chapters of the Bible that I really like, but when it really comes down to it, Philippians chapter 2 is one of my absolute favorites. And in this video, I'll kind of explain at least some of the reasons as to why. Let's look at the first four verses here in Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interest, but each of you to the interest of the others. Now, the first four verses is not necessarily why this passage and why this chapter is one of my favorites, but I must admit it is very important. You know, as you look at these first four verses, he uses phrases about the importance of being, you know, united with Christ and really how that can provide us with encouragement. And I want you to think about that, you know, think about how when you became a follower of Jesus, that brought you into this community of Christ. Whenever you have been brought into this community of Christ, you have been united with Christ, at least in one way or another. And because of that, we have all of these other things that come to us as well. We see that because of that being united with Christ, then we can have this comfort. We can have this love. And we can also have this common sharing of the Spirit. We can have these other things that he starts mentioning too. And then he asks us to have some of these things. Like in verse 2, he says that we need to, to be like-minded. You know, we need to have that among ourselves. We also need to have this same type of love uh, that Christ has given us as an example. We also see that we're called to be one in spirit and of one mind. Think about that. You know, does that describe the church that you were a part of? Now, obviously we know that, that it will describe our churches in one time or another, maybe better than it does uh, at some other time. That's how it was in the Bible too, okay? We live in times very similar to what they did in the New Testament. Sometimes they look like they were really following Christ and really on fire for God and everything was going great. And then it's other times you're like, these people are the same people? How did that even happen? Sometimes we can be like that too. Sometimes we get off track. The, the important thing is we need to be staying focused. We need to be sharing in this unity with Christ. We need to take comfort in all these great things. We have to be of the same mind. We have to have the same love. And we have to be one in spirit, one in mind. But then he also talks about how we have to be humble. We have to be humble and we have to be looking out for other people's interest. Now, sometimes that's a little bit easier to say than it is to actually do. And if you want to know what that looks like through the lens of looking at the life of Jesus Christ, 
That's what Paul is about to get into, and this is why this chapter is one of my favorites. Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 11. I know it's a lot to fit on this screen, but I didn't want to take apart any, any section of this. So, chapter 2, verses 5 through 11. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of the servant. Being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. This is why this chapter is one of my favorites. I love this. And if you remember that Bible Project video that I encourage you to, to watch that goes through an overview of this book, one of the things that they did talk about in this chapter is um, they said in the video, uh, they said this would be a wonderful passage to put to memory. And, and I would second that, definitely. This would be a wonderful passage uh, to, to put to memory because it really shows us the sacrifice of Jesus. It gets at the heart of what Jesus did for us and just how much he loves us. But it also gets to the heart of what that means now. Not just what it meant then, but also what it means now. So let's kind of work our way through some of these verses, okay? Let's go up to verse five. Verse five, we are being urged to have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. By the way, can we pause for a moment and just recognize how big of a calling that is for us? To be of the same mindset that Christ Jesus was. That means, any and every time that you see Jesus doing a certain thing or acting a certain way toward people, we are called to have that same type of mindset, those same types of actions. That could be hard. That could be very difficult for us to do, but it's still what we are called to have. We're called to, to have this goal, that we need to have the same type of mind, the same type of mindset that Jesus Christ has, which, by the way, um, I love this passage uh, from different translations too, and I think that it's wonderful to study this section uh, from different translations and to kind of see how, how they translated different phrases and all here. Uh, but I will kind of admit to you that probably one of my favorite uh, translations to read this passage from is the New International Version. I really like how they, uh, how they talk about all these things, you know, um, and how they, they do here use, instead of just the mind of Christ, they use the, the, the term... Uh, mindset instead of just having the mind. And we see that, that that's what it's talking about here. But now we get into another phrase that is very interesting. In verse 6, talking about Jesus Christ, we find out that Jesus was in the very nature God. Now, okay, that goes hand in hand with what we already know. You know, we know that, that Jesus, he was God in the flesh, John 1, uh, verse 1, and then on down to verse uh, 14 of John chapter 1. Talk about that, how, you know, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and then the Word became flesh and, and uh, dwelt among us. Uh, now, of course, I kind of skipped some of that, okay, and, and I understand that. But I was mentioning those are the, the passages that talk about how Jesus is God, how he, how he was God as well. See, he was in the very nature God, but yet we find out something great that this is why I really like the NIV, how they translate it, because I think that it is the easiest to understand, at least it's the easiest for me. I mean, if another translation works for you, that's fine, because I think that they all are, are trying to get at the heart of what's going on here, because there is a little bit of this, uh, the, this struggle as to, well, what does this mean? Because on the one hand, 
we have that Jesus is in the very nature God. But then we also have this other phrase, that he did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Now, you know, sometimes it's a little confusing as to how some of these words or some of these phrases should be translated. Because, you know, sometimes you'll see something like um, that uh, he didn't consider equality with God something to be grasped or, you know, something like that. It, it just kind of depends on what translations you, you look at. Because it is a little difficult what is being stated right here. But I think when you read it from the NIV, it, this is at the heart of what's going on in this verse. Because what we do see is, on the one hand, he is God in the flesh. He is in the very nature God. But on the other hand, what he did is, he didn't consider that, being God himself, he didn't consider that as something to be used to his own advantage. Okay? Now, that makes sense of verse 7. That he made himself nothing. You know, he emptied himself of all these things. He, he took on this form of a human. Not just he took on the form of a human, you know, he became a human being. I love that. I think that's wonderful. And that is something that really sets Christianity apart. Because no matter what religion, at least that I've been able to find, you know, you, you might have different ways in which the God that they serve uh, might, you know, help them and might care for them or, or, or love them. Sometimes, sometimes you don't even find that. But with Christianity, what we see is not only does our God love us, but we see that our God became one of us. I mean, he, he humbled himself that much by stepping in to his creation. And I love just thinking about and talking with other Christians about what this means. And by the way, if you're watching this video uh, with some other Christians, you know, this would be a great passage, uh, verses five through 11, okay? To uh, after you get done with this, or maybe even pause it, you know, at some point here. Uh, but y'all might just kind of go around the room and, and talk about some of these things on really what that means and and how important it is and and kind of how you, uh, how you take some of these things. Because I find that whenever we speak to other people about it, they can really help us see this passage better. And they can um, help us to, to better understand what this is talking about. And really to see the sacrifice of what Jesus gave up by becoming a human being. So verse 8, it talks about how he became a human being. And by being a human, he showed us what it means to be humbled. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death. And if that's not enough, you know, it kind of stresses even death on the cross. This is trying to get our attention. You know, keep in mind, this is very important that after you hear some phrase like that, you see, okay, he humbled himself. How did he humble himself? He became obedient to the point of death. Even death on a cross. It doesn't matter what source you look from. Death on a cross was a gruesome thing. It was a horrible thing. But Jesus showed his, him being humble, him being obedient by going through that type of death. He didn't deserve that type of death. He didn't do anything wrong. But we are the ones who brought sin uh, into the world and upon the world. And, and we brought this curse upon this world. Jesus Christ, he took that to the cross. And he did away with these things. And he provided us hope. Because of all that, we get verse 9. That because of these things, God exalted him. Not just up a little bit. All the way up. To the highest place. There is no one above Jesus Christ. He gave him this name that is above every other name. And I love this phrase here in verses uh, 10 uh, and also 11, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And I think this is wonderful for us to, to see this passage because it shows us that every knee is gonna, going to bow. Every tongue is going to confess that Jesus is Lord. But the question that I think that this passage just 
is, is begging us to ask of ourselves is, are we going to do these things in this life? Or are we going to have to wait and do them in the next life? You know, we, we have the option. We can now choose to recognize this wonderful, beautiful, glorious name of Jesus. And we can bow our knee. I'm not talking about necessarily physically, but we can bow down to Jesus in this life. And we can also use with our tongue, we can acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord. Jesus Christ is our God. And all the while bringing glory to our Heavenly Father. That's what is, is so wonderful about what Jesus did for us through his death on the cross. This shows us the type of humility that Jesus had. This shows us the mindset that Jesus Christ had. Do you have that type of mindset? This is our goal. This is the call. There's still more in this chapter, and let's, let's continue on. Verses 12 and 13 now. Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, uh, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. I really like this passage because I think it's so wonderful to to follow up what we just looked at, this wonderful example of Jesus Christ. We are called to have the same mindset that Jesus had, but then we see that, look, he is praising, you know, Paul is praising these Christians because he says, look, it's great whenever you obey Christ and follow God whenever I'm, you know, in your midst, but what's even greater is that I'm gone, you know, I'm absent from you and you're continuing to work out your salvation. You know, that's kind of, the, that's the goal. That we don't need to be following Jesus just when people are looking at us. It needs to be all the time. When people are looking, when people aren't looking, we need to continue to work out our salvation with fear and trembling. Now, that doesn't mean we have to be terrified of this. It just means we need to recognize the seriousness of it. And we also are receiving this word of comfort here in verse 13. That it's God who works in us. And he is the one who can fulfill his good purpose through us, within us. It's not always just about what you do or what I do. It's, you know, if you were trying to work out your own salvation by working it out yourself, it's not going to go well for you. The only way that you can work out your salvation is if you do that with the help and through the help that God provides you. That's the only way that this passage makes sense. That's why it says that it's God who works in you. God is the one who's doing these things through us. We need to open up our lives to God and allow him to do that. And what would that look like? It looks kind of like this. Not only does it look like having that mindset that Jesus had, but also in verses 14 through 18, we read, Do everything without grumbling or arguing, so that you may become blameless and pure, children of God without fault and a warped and crooked generation. Then you will shine among them like stars in the sky as you hold firmly to the word of life. And then I will be able to boast on the day of Christ that I did not run or labor in vain. But even if I am being poured out like a drink offering on the sacrifice and service coming from your faith, I am glad and rejoice with all of you. So you too should be glad and rejoice with me. Keep in mind, all this talk about rejoicing and being glad. Paul is writing from prison. But he's excited. He is so glad. He is rejoicing because he hears these great things coming from Christians. That they are following God. We need to have the same mindset. Let's have the same mindset. 
if we do have the same mindset, what that's what is that going to look like? Well, I think verse 14 is hard to get behind. Okay, let's face it. Do everything without grumbling or arguing? Okay, maybe we need to work on that. And maybe we just need to pause right there and, and think about, you know, okay, does that describe us? Does that describe our life? I'm talking to myself as much as I am anybody else. Once we can be able to get past that point, then we have so much more. Well, okay, so what comes after that in verse 15? So that you may be blameless and pure. And he's quoting here, children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. We are the holy people of God. Not because you and I are necessarily something special just in and ourselves, but keep in mind, it's God who's working through us. It's God who's working in us. And the last part of verse 15, he's saying to Christians, then you will shine among them like stars in the sky. So oftentimes, Christians, so oftentimes children of God, people of God, are talked about as about being lights. Well, right here, they're, they're talking about shining like stars in the sky. It's a wonderful idea. It's a wonderful thought. And it's wonderful whenever we as the church live this out. And Paul says, look, if you do your part, then I will be able to rejoice on the day of Christ that I didn't run or labor in vain. That's what he says in verse 16. Now, this, this phrase, on the day of Christ, by the way, that, uh, that showed up a couple of times in the, uh, the last chapter as well. I believe we see it here in uh, chapter 1, verse 6. We see the day of Christ showing up there. Um, and I think it showed up maybe like a, a one or two other times uh, also in the last uh, chapter. Um, but what I'm getting at with that is so many times in the Old Testament, they had this phrase, the day of the Lord. Well, now Paul is using this phrase, the, the day of Christ. It's the same day. Okay, the same day. And this is also kind of a little bit of a, of a statement that Christ most certainly is God. Because he's, instead of saying the day of God, the, the day of the Lord, he's saying the day of Christ. And he knows, Paul knows that, look, he can rejoice with these Christians because they're doing what they're supposed to be doing. He's doing what he's supposed to be doing. Everything is going great. So you too should be glad and rejoice with me. I think that we can experience that same type of rejoicing today as well whenever we are walking as we should and being the lights of the world as we should be. There's still a little more in this chapter though. Verses 19 through 24, Paul says, I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon so that I, uh, so, sorry, that I also may be cheered when I receive news about you. I have no one else like him who will show genuine concern for your welfare. For everyone looks out for their own interest, not those of Jesus Christ. But you know that Timothy has proved himself because as a son with his father, he has served with me in the work of the gospel. I hope therefore to send him as soon as I see how things go with me. And I'm confident in the Lord that I myself will come soon. So here he's, he's talking about some of these plans that he has. He plans to send Timothy to them. He trusts Timothy. He, he says such great things about Timothy. Isn't it wonderful? Whenever you have fellow Christians that you're this close to, that you can say things like that about, that you can have full confidence in, you know that they are not looking out for their own interests, but they are looking out for the interests of Jesus Christ and his kingdom. And then Paul also is kind of mentioning right here. He says in verse 24, he says, I am confident in the Lord that I myself will come soon. So he said before that he's not certain whether or not he's going to be released, but he is confident in the Lord that he will be able to come to them soon. You know, that's what it is kind of uh, perhaps looking at 
looking like at this point. And he has this hope that he will be able to come uh, to be with them and to serve them. For the time being, he's sending Timothy. But it's not just Timothy that he's sending. Keep reading. Verses 25 through the end of this chapter. He says, But I think it is necessary to send back to you Epaphroditus, my brother, co-worker, and fellow soldier, who is also your messenger, whom you sent to take care of my needs. For he longs for all of you and is distressed because you heard he was ill. Indeed, he was ill and almost died, but God had mercy on him, and not on him only, but also on me to spare me sorrow upon sorrow. Therefore, I am all the more eager to send him, so that when you see him again, you may be glad, and I may have less, less anxiety. So then welcome him in the Lord with great joy and honor people like him, because he almost died for the work of Christ. He risked his life to make up for the help you yourself could not give me. So we find out about another, another Christian right here. Not only do we see such good statements being made about Timothy, but now we see this Epaphroditus person. And this brother of ours, he, he was so close to Paul, and apparently he went through some illness. They got news of that. They were really concerned about him. But then what Paul says in verse 27 is that God had mercy on him, and he spared Paul, uh, having the sorrow of losing a close friend, and he also spared uh, the life of Epaphroditus so that he could continue on in this work of following Jesus Christ. We see again in verse 30 that he almost died for the work of Christ. This is what it means to serve Christ. This is what it means to have the mindset of Christ. Can we learn from these examples? Can we most certainly at least learn from the example of Jesus Christ himself? Recognize how he humbled himself to the point of death, even death on the cross. He did that for you. He did that for me. Because he humbled himself and lowered himself that much, God exalted him. Exalted him and his name is the name above all other names. At the name of Jesus, every knee is going to bow. Every tongue is going to confess that Jesus is Lord. Let's make sure that we are busy doing that in this life and that we will continue doing that in the life that is to come. Let's learn from these examples. Let's be these type of examples.